Welcome back to 17 Karat K-Pop. We are finishing up my talk about the best new music of July with a new episode of NCT Talk. And this is a separate episode. One, because I have a lot to say about it disproportionately. Two, the other best of July part one and two were already lengthy episodes. So for the sake of time, here's a third. And three, the next week or two, this show may not be new. There may be breaking K-pop news. Lots is always subject to change. But for the most part, I have some personal stuff to take care of and we'll be focused on Substack. So 17karatkpop.substack.com will be busy, but just not on the podcast feed. But I'm coming back very soon. So here's a bonus episode to kind of tide you over until more new 17 Karat K-pop. And in this episode description, I will be sure to link to a directory. So in the meantime, you can catch up on older episodes of the show. Without further ado, let's talk about NCT's incredible new album, NCT Dreams ISTJ. I have so, so much I could blabber on about this really good new album. Obviously, I'm super biased as an end citizen, but also I do think objectively, this is another just standout, high-quality NCT album that just threw everything but the kitchen sink into these experimental, super sound effect-filled, buzzy, busy, thrill-ride songs. Just so much fun to listen to. It really flies by. So high energy. All the classic NCT dream strong suits are here. But to somewhat rein in my ranting, I will stick to a list of 17 key details, key things I want to talk about related to this latest NCT Dream era. The first thing is just a few quick sales achievements. Congrats to them because ISTJ in its first week sold over 3.65 million copies, 3 million after 5 days. It was 2 million after just 4. It's been quite a rapid rise. And if we're just talking stock pre-orders, 4.1 million. It's also their first album to surpass a million day one album sales. So 4.1 million stock pre-orders, day one over a million, 2 million within four days, reached 3 million in five, and 3.6 million in seven days. Wowzers. Number two, shout out to their marketing. The marketing of this era I found really impressive. The dream vending machine website you could go to to get like a virtual vending machine soda. That was how they found a clever way to tease the album. The way they had an introvert versus extrovert branding depending on what album you got. The whole premise I thought was just smart because the whole Myers-Briggs personality test, super buzzy, super talked about among young people. So their demographic is into this concept. They built a whole album around it with interesting extrovert versus introvert marketing that wrote itself. And that also kind of subverted expectations because the song ISTJ is not about that result on your personality test but about not relying on just four letters to summarize a character of a person, to really get to know them, and refusing to rely on the test at first they seem to just be celebrating, paying tribute to. That's not the case. I also feel like it's getting more and more common for K-pop artists to release several singles off of one album. Could be another example of the New Jeans effect. Maybe it was earlier than that that this started, but it just feels like in the past year or so, even just this summer, like Itzy released Bet On Me, then None Of My Business, then the main single Cake, each with their own video. G-Idol dropped Allergy, then the official comeback came with the album release, timed with the release of Queen Card. DeVita released Ride For Me, then the full album, and the video for Naughty. 
it feels like it's just more common than ever in K-pop to release a single that's not like the official single they promote with. Like a pre-release, then the full album and single and the video. Like a music video as a full teaser, that seems to be more common than it used to be, which I'm very here for. It is a good way to gin up excitement. So they did that not only with Broken Melodies, which came out in June, but then with Poison, the track video that was like an in-between that showed a more serious side of them between brighter releases. So that was a little track video to both tide fans over until the ISTJ, Colorful Chaos, and to keep people on their toes. Like, well, you thought Broken Melodies was your main preview of what to expect vibe-wise. But nope, keep in mind you can expect the unexpected. Maybe we'll go for a darker poison vibe. They didn't. They went back to a Broken Melodies aesthetic, more so I would say. But the element of surprise was thrown in there with Poison, being a highlighted track. Relatedly, number three, loved the marketing with little teaser videos that were like mini-movies and some kind of spoofed in MTV interview format where the members talked to the camera and they really had interesting, quirky things to say. Very hard to explain what characters they were playing, but they were just funny in their blunt assessments of their advice for how to survive, basically. Like Gemin's advice to always keep two things, the line and your appointments. Keep your appointments and don't cross the line. Then how Chunla mentioned his favorite words are impromptu, promise, and friends. Just really summarizes their unique brand of humor because that's kind of funny just because it could be random. Like, yeah, the word impromptu is pretty fun to say. Or it could be deeper, like he likes the thought of being spontaneous. Their quips were able to be interpreted as super light comments or deeper stuff. I don't know, there was something humorous to me in that delivery. The blunt delivery of here are your rules for life, you get to decide if I'm joking or not. I will keep a either poker face or just a smirk, but either way an ambiguous expression. And then I like that they end it with Jemin just saying that interview felt like a horror movie. Like, ugh, I'm not playing CEO one more second. Relatedly, again, number four, great promo with the intriguing mini-movie called Seven Dream Production, Stranger Seven, that really increased the lore surrounding the comeback. And we will get back to talking about that at the end, as well as the video, which is number five on the list, the ISTJ video. Number six, the hands-on approach they took to this release. I love that Runjin compared their dynamics to a bunch of chicks chirping at once. That was their group meeting dynamic. And their group meetings apparently, while making this album, tended to be an average of three to four hours long. So they really did think through the details here. But number seven on this list, something I would argue they should have thought about either more or differently. These promo outfits. I say this because I love them. No shade to them, unless they really were their own stylist fully, but we have to talk about these outfits from the promo pictures. A lot of cute accessories, but all at the same time, not sure how I feel about it. A lot to look at. The teddy charms and other toy-like accessories, those get a thumbs up from me. But then you got, like, all the puffer jacket stuff and puffer jacket material-covered stuff. Really bizarre, colorful collage cartoon print pieces. These pants that Gemin wore are like green, orange, white, and yellow striped. Runjin wears these mix-matched knee socks, one full of holes, with these brown suede shoes, charms dangling on the accessories, these plaid yellow shorts, this hat with flaps. It's just a lot. 
Mark has this weird fuzzy decal on his jacket. He's got this uber colorful jacket. There's the ski mask type cat ear headpiece. The cat ear hoodies. Jeno has these jeans with white text all over and then a neon green shirt with it. There's just, what is happening? The closet is exploding on top of them. I do like, though, the potential for Easter eggs slash just things I get to be super conspiracy theory-ish about. You know how I get into the NCT Dream lore, the whole SMCU and stuff, and all the callbacks to other SMCU artists' videos or their own past work. I mean, with the eyeball accessories, like the eyeball beaded necklace, that reminded me of the eyeball situation, if you know you know, in Best Friend Ever. Also could be really meaningful that Gemin has one eye that's a different shade of brown than another eye. Something is not human about his character in at least one picture. The word clock on the jacket that Hetchin wears, always notable when they reference the passage of time, because they have quite the time warp storyline. In some pictures they have that sus green glow, something nefarious is happening. Jeno has this lollipop, and remember Candy was kind of a, seemed like a key detail in the wavy dream launch video and past NCT dream stuff. The repetition of certain props is notable throughout the years for them. I could go on and on, but those are just some of my more likely than the others theories about possible intention behind the weirdness of the photo ops. Number eight, I want to remind you of Hetchen's role in the video. Not just the new one we're going to talk about, but in the past. Because remember, I've said before, his character is more aware of what's really going on than the others. That they're part of this bigger game, a bigger story. They are kind of puppets, not the master puppeteers. They're not in control of their own fates as they think they are. He's more aware of that than the others, if not pulling more of the strings than the others. Because remember, he was followed by those people in Superhuman, an NCT 127 video. He also is one of those characters who literally broke the screen. The whole SMCU could best be understood by understanding the Truman Show meets Inception, meets Horton Hears a Who, meets The Matrix. Because it is worlds within worlds, as I've talked about at length in past episodes about Quanya, bigger worlds and smaller worlds, a nesting doll of worlds and dimensions, shows within shows, the layers of reality and surreality stay blurry. There's time travel, there's lots of confusion about what's real, what's manufactured, what does that even mean, etc. And Hetchin broke one of those layers open, and that's why he's kind of a conduit character between NCT subunits. He's also the one who woke up from the dream at the end of Best Friend Ever. And he's the one who stops as people around him don't stop. They become a blur around him when he just stops to stare up at the sky. He has the moment to stare up regular and we go up. So he does that same thing in both a 127 and a dream video. Number nine, let's talk about the songs. ISTJ is so freaking fun. It really just has me dancing along. It is just so beyond explosive, energetic, wonderful. One of the best songs of the year. It is a hip-hop dance song made by Kenzie, a loyal SM Entertainment roster edition. Like I said before, it's about not putting a label on who you are, like the personality test. Maybe you are an ENFP or an ISTJ, but you're not going to let either descriptor determine who you pursue a crush on. You're just really going to get to know them. Sonically, I find the song to be like the love child of a mix of Quiet Down, Glitch Mode, Saturday Drip, and Countdown. Think about it. 
Broken Melodies was a cute pre-release choice. It showed off pretty harmonies in a fun scrapbook collage type aesthetic, like a school yearbook vibe. Very colorful and interesting for summer. Starry Night, Ain't Like We Just Met, and the album on a slower, more mellow note. A calm down one, lovely guitars and snapping, and it's like a an end-of-the-day campfire feel. And both songs have a nice throwback to past songs. Like in SOS, they compared their flirting to crashing into someone like on a merry-go-round. A very fun, useful visualization. And then what comes to mind here is the same metaphor in Starry Night when they sing again about going round and round with you like a an infinite time loop. Relatedly, Like We Just Met has the same vibe as songs like Walk You Home, about just wanting to preserve that puppy love, those early romance days. Innocent, useful love, a beautiful ballad, and Like We Just Met is really kind of a fan song too, that every member contributed lyrics to. So super meaningful, sweet ending. And I love that then the last word in this album, period, and in the song is darling. The word darling ends the story. Plus it adds to the whole time travel, time capsule premise that they end the album with Like We Just Met. Like back to the beginning of the story. I know I'm really reaching to get to exactly 17 things to talk about. So one, the smart marketing. Two, sales and chart achievements. Three, those press conference anecdotes about being hands-on. Four, the photo ops. Five, the marketing with promo pictures. Six, the marketing with pre-release videos. Seven and eight, the marketing with the short film stuff, the MTV interview, and the mini movie we're going to talk about again soon. More promo-related stuff like the Poison Track video and the ISTJ video that taps into larger lore. Hetchen's role still in the larger SMCU. 11, the title track, 12 songs like like We Just Met and Starry Night. I will get to exactly 17. I'll figure it out. 13, Yogurt Shake. That song is like a turned up version of the song Dreaming. Really, it's like a version of Dreaming turned up. They really go for it right away with those first raps. Like out of the gate, that is like, whoa, you really are here not to play. I love the harmonizing as well. One of their stronger B-sides. And a fun way to just continue the metaphor they always have of just puppy love, butterflies in your stomach kind of feelings. Just really sweet, cute, youthful metaphors for that. This time it's like they're so nervous and love-struck they feel shaken up inside, like a yogurt shake. Number 14, Skateboard, another favorite of mine. It's super unpredictable with its pacing, and it has this really great escalating feel, especially in the pre-chorus, like you are riding on a skateboard. Great musical accompaniment for that kind of afternoon. Love that there's just not a moment to waste in it either, like between the chorus and post-chorus. No, we are not transitioning. We're just going to dive right into the next part, the next attention-grabbing part. Lots of tempo switch-ups, lots of funky drums and synths, so much fun. 15, Blue Wave, another one with very fun synths and these computerized voices, whistles, a very fun mix of sound effects. The opposite of a generic-sounding summer jam. They describe the song as a sequel to the song Dive Into You, hence the name Blue Wave and the continuation of the same metaphors they've used before to talk about their uncontrollable waves of emotions. Poison, 
That song mixes this rapping and singing style with R&B. I love the bass in it, the snapping, a mix of so many things. Their layering is just in their songs. They always have so many little details that make them extra catchy and distinct. And they definitely prove that with Poison and Pretzel. Now we have to talk about S.O.S., which is a synth and hip-hop dance song that has a very weird, like, evil clown laugh and a very abrupt ending, like screeching to a halt ending. As well as this distorted alarm throughout it, it starts out kind of horror movie-esque. It's very kooky, very chaotic, and really summarizes the appeal of their endless optimism with the Mayday chant that they chant really happy, like very happily upbeat sounding, Mayday, the world's going to heck kind of a message, but they're so happy about it. They also kind of talk at one point like they're talking to walkie-talkies, so the world is burning but they're cheering. It's like the Spongebob meme, we did it, we saved the city, when it's all in ruins around them. That's the energy of SOS. 16 and or 17, however you want to interpret it on this list. Let's talk about the cinema connection, because they do say they were inspired by Back to the Future with the new video. I love the chaotic energy in the ISTJ video. It is the hospital situation, emergency room situation, right next to the recording studio. Like, they're back and forth between truly dealing with the worst moments and having the time of their life. Like, they're making memories and music out of the bad stuff. Like, making lemons out of lemonade to another level. It's so absurd, and I love it so much. It really builds on the the weirdness and fun of the whole setting in glitch mode and even the candy video. This haunted theme park adventure is such a one-of-a-kind aesthetic and premise for them, and it just works. That's what impresses me about them. When they do this kind of thing, it is bonkers, but they pull it off in a way that just feels replicable. Like, you can't just copy-paste a different boy group into this and have it hit the same way. The raps, the instant choreo, the dramatic line delivery in the mini-movies, it's just not the same without this specific team. They have a very, very unique energy, which I also talk a bit about in the NCT Talk episode where I talk about seeing them in concert, because live, that is even next level even more. I cannot wait until the day they perform these ISTJ songs live. I mean, imagine the kooky carnival setup they would add to a show for ISTJ. That could be a next level live experience. Now let's talk about this wild video. The multiverse of it all is made no secret. The members watch themselves in chapter one of the video. They watch their own ad. So they are actors in a commercial for this soda while they are kind of like the marketing critics assessing the ad, watching it like just any consumer. But Hetchin's in the back at this desk and just off to a side period. So throughout part one of this video, he's not with the others. He's kind of off to himself looking more serious, assessing what's going on. The members comment on how something's different about him. He's wondering what's going wrong as he follows this action via a storyboard on his tablet. Like, what's not working in the vending machine he's trying out, but now it has an out-of-service note put on it because it's not working. Nothing's working. The others are like, whatever, but he feels like he is a director. We later see him in a makeshift director's chair setup. Like, he's controlling the shots, literally, as they shoot this movie or whatever, and it's falling apart. 
So already, not just two dimensions, but more. One world where they're the famous actors in the ad. One world where they're watching the ad. And while in that world, they are forced to face another version of them from a different world. The enemies are themselves. And there's a world smaller within their own. I'm not explaining this well, but one of the big takeaways for me is that they are looking into a smaller world. So it's not just the Hetchins running like a filming set. They're not just filming something fake a fictional story, but they are also looking at a smaller world. Because they look on the table at these dioramas of cubicles. The office environment, the life-size office environment that the NCT-127 members were in, in the regular era. That is actually now a shrunken diorama the members look down on. Which reminds me of the 127 members with those cars in the 2020 era videos. Regular life-size cars that were then tiny shrunken cars in NCT Dreams, Ryden Video, and others. So the transportation 127 uses, like their offices, are suddenly just tiny play toys for the Dream members. So not just like, hey, they have toy-sized stuff in their videos because they're whole concept is they're the kitty group, the kitty subunit. I think it's actually part of the story where those characters are actually in a bigger world in this nesting doll of worlds than the older members. Maybe they can dimension hop more because they're younger, they're more youthful, they're not as jaded as adults. It's almost like a Polar Express thing where you can't access certain parts of your imagination anymore, access certain dimensions as you get older. So then I could see why older SM Entertainment groups are actually in the smaller, more inner nesting doll worlds as opposed to the bigger positions of authority here pulling the strings. Which would explain why Joy from Red Velvet is able to pull the puppet strings in one of their videos. Because Red Velvet are very youthful and whimsical, still in touch with their inner child, so they get to call the shots. Bigger picture. However, remember in Shiny's new video, they look at a tiny diorama of a maze XO is in. So basically what I'm saying is that maybe EXO is in a small world that is just a mere diorama size for SHINee. But SHINee are also in a smaller world than groups like Red Velvet and NCT. And SHINee are at the level of NCT127 on this map I am trying to create visually by talking about it. Literally, I have drawn this, these Venn diagrams slash nesting doll situations. Legit, this is my Red String Bulletin Board meme moment, but I very much, through this new comeback, Back. It really did strengthen my assertions about the SMCU. All it did was strengthen what I already thought, not contradict it. Anyway, so part one of the mini-movie is focused on them wondering what's up with Hetchin, why he's so quiet and weird, what's going wrong, what's wrong. Part two is a flashback. They say it came days earlier. And that's when things are going wrong. So maybe that was like a memory wiping because they acted surprised. Like, Hetchin, why are you suddenly acting like that? But they said that in part one of the video, which is actually part two in the chronology. In part two, these guys with creepy masks are roaming the office space that they are the same size of. It's life size for them. Remember, I think the more adult-like you are, the less into the imaginative side of you you are, the smaller your world literally in this story. So those masked characters are kind of shrunken, but then they seem to be the same size as the dream members, and they fight in a very funny way because the dream members, all they have for weapons are like throwing pieces of paper at them and stuff, and the others bring shovels and stuff. So this is not an equal playing field. The members were smart to just give up a physical fight and just run for it. 
the figure with this black hood and white mask steps on the remote, which triggers this montage of blinking 2D, 3D, 4D merging worlds. Something was reset, someone went haywire pressing rewind or fast forward or something on this dimension. And during the montage, I did catch a snippet of the Exo Tree of Life that started their whole story. So that's a fun Easter egg too. There's a countdown clock that ends. So then the machine goes dark, the room goes dark, and one of the figures says, you got lucky because it's six o'clock. We're not allowed to attack you after six o'clock. I don't know. Then the masks come off and we learn these characters who have been tormenting them all day were versions of themselves from another dimension. The suited up, grown up looking, smaller version of who they are. The second, the villain and adult version of them, the boring suit-wearing version, walk away. The casual wear, bright, more personality-filled NCT Dream run back into the picture to congratulate Hetchen basically on a directing job well done. And the video ends with Hetchen still at work. Like, he's comparing ideas for color schemes for the soda cans they're marketing. He's just at his desk in this makeshift office slash garage. So it's like this blip in the space-time continuum was a non-event for him, not the bizarre abnormality it is to viewers. It's like this happens every day. I find it extra notable that the masks the evil characters wear are like melting. They're made of like goopy paper mache stuff or like something melting, I don't know, but they're not smooth and that intentional theatrical production look like not like a scream mask but like a DIY theater show from an elementary school level or something. That C-tier mask creation, that feels intentional. That that was the only level they could get to. And I mean, the most intense weapon was a shovel. Still, the other members were no match because of their cans and pieces of paper, but that's still a very low-tier weapon. Interesting parts of the script, the narration, include, quote, Somewhere in the multiverse, where law and order comes above all, Seven Dream Production has since long forgotten their creativity and imagination. Yet somehow, by chance, they found a freewheeling version of themselves in a different world. Believing that the power of free spirit is the key to solving their problem, they decide to create a plan. Step one, take Hetchen, the most free-spirited of the group. Later on, now that you've uncovered the whole plan, we have no choice but to take all of you, too. In the direct quote from the suit-wearing evil Mark, Lucky you, in another dimension, we have a rule that we can't do anything after a certain time, but it won't be the end. Unquote. So the most by-the-rules serious member, Hetchen, is actually apparently the most free-spirited, just not in this reality. Things were flipped. So maybe by stepping on the remote, they were flipped back. It's all ironic. They found this freewheeling version of themselves, which are the ones that are suited up and serious. Or maybe it's the opposite. The suited up ones, serious adult-like ones, suddenly reconnected with the more childish ones. And this is like an origin story to maybe the entire NCT Dream character beginning. Like maybe the seven-day period is where all the action unfolds. In every NCT Dream video, maybe based on the time warping, really it's all in the span of seven days. So part two of the short film could be really like a prologue for their characters, realizing the other them that exists. 
Basically, my working theory is that, aside from the theories I probably laid out more articulately in past episodes like Espa and Kwanya 101, is that there's a nesting doll of worlds, confusion between what's real and what's not, different versions of them existing in different dimensions, Hetchen is more aware of what's going on in the dimensions than the others, and can cross between them more easily, and the most useful groups in the SMCU have the most freedom to cross into different dimensions. And the bigger your imagination and creativity and other childlike attributes grow, the more freedom you have. And hitting rewind on your remote or whatever restarts the story, warps the time, and gives you another chance to find your inner child. Which, by happenstance, on one channel switch, these members found. They found their inner children working on a marketing campaign for a colorful soda ad. And so they decided to, they turned into those people. The old version of them that was had a literally smaller world and was boring and more adult-like, that version still exists in a different dimension. And they're interacting again here, clearly not working well together. Basically, as action unfolds, it could be restarted at any moment. Last thing I'll say is that keep in mind the settings that stay repeated in different SM Entertainment artist work. Like in this video for ISTJ, the NCT Dream members dance in the same garden as Red Velvet and Feel My Rhythm. The Feel My Rhythm and Reve Festival era garden, that garden is where they're back at. And Red Velvet, like I said before, is another group that is on their level in terms of the layers of worlds and being in a bigger, more fluid world because they are the most in tune with their inner children still. Those are my working theories, and I have more to say, but I'll leave it there for now. And we'll talk more about Kwanya theory developments as they form. Anyway, thank you all so much for tuning in for my take on this really fun one-of-a-kind story. Great job again, NCT Dream. Go stream ISTJ. And I will talk to you all again very soon. Again, more always on my substack, 17 karatkpopsubstackcom Bye, everybody.